Let's take uh, 10, maybe 12 minutes and look at Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. We don't often look at Malachi. It's the last book in the Old Testament. So if you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, you've gone too far. Just work your way back to the left from Matthew and you'll find Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. I hope you'll pray for Eva, for her son Richard, and for Vanessa, is Richard's daughter. Um, There's just a lot of uh, grace needed there. And here's another trophy of God's grace. I didn't know that, Eva. So praise the Lord for his goodness to you. I, I sometimes from time to time, I'll probably mention this again less, next week, from time to time someone will say, well, I just can't overcome my sin. You're right, you can't. You need Jesus. But with God's help, uh, he wants to give us freedom. We don't need to live in bondage to sin. Malachi chapter 1, I'm going to read to you verses 6, 7, and 8. Then I'm going to skip down and read 12 and 13. Malachi 1, 6 says, A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master, If then I be a father, this is God talking to his people, the the Jews. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests that despise my name. And you say, wherein have we despised thy name? Here's God's response to their question. He says, ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And you say, wherein have we polluted thee? Here's God's answer again. In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? Skip down to verse 12. But ye have profaned it. That is the offering. Ye have profaned it in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even as meat is contemptible. You said also, behold, what a weariness is it. And you have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? We're going to look at these verses in a second. You need to understand a little bit of context here. Let's pray, and then let's talk about the context. Father, thank you. We are truly blessed. And from um, Jesse's testimony about his neighbors and your consistent, slow it seems to us as human beings, but consistent work in their lives, all the way working our way back to Hudson's testimony of of leading that young man, his friend, to the Lord, when his friend thought that good works were going to get him to heaven. The grace you've given to Kurt, um, having lost both of his parents in just a few months' time, and yet just that peace that passes all understanding. Father, we see testimonies to your work in our lives, of your grace in our lives and the ones that are dear to us, and we we pray you would continue to do that work of grace. Give us a vision for giving you our best, not for giving you what's left over, uh, not for giving you the the torn, the lame, and the blind, but to give you uh, the best that we have. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So you remember in the Old Testament, God asks his people to bring an offering. I'm thinking of the book of Exodus, Leviticus. There's some, some even mentioned, I believe, in Deuteronomy. And uh, when they brought an animal from their flock, what were to be the qualities of that animal which they brought as a sacrifice? I'm, I, I want answers here. So anyone want to? Yes, Marcus. Bring the best. It's got to be without spot. It can't be, can't be lame. It can't be the leftovers. 
it's, it's got to be your best. And yet here in verse 13, it says they brought what was torn. That would have been an animal that had been attacked, maybe by a wolf. Uh, I don't think they have coyotes in the Middle East, but lion, bear, something had attacked the animal. Now the animal can't, it's good for nothing. So we'll give that to the Lord. Or the lame, the animal that's lame. Or the animal that's sick, we'll give that to the Lord. And our theme for our meal a few minutes ago was leftovers. I personally like leftovers. In fact, there are some meals that seem better a day or two after they've been cooked and they sort of sit in the refrigerator. I don't mean just sit out, but sit in the refrigerator. I don't know, the, 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 the taste sort of melt together and they just taste better. So leftovers aren't always bad. But I know my wife, I know my mom, if we have a guest over, the last thing they want to serve is leftovers, right? Now, they might serve their family leftovers. Like I said, we like them. They're good. It's not like they do anything wrong by that. But you never give your guests leftovers. But here, these people, the Jews, they're giving their leftovers to God. They're giving them what's literally left over, the parts they don't want, the animals they don't want. That's what they're giving to God. Now, do we do the same thing? That's what I want us to think about for a few minutes. What kind of leftovers might we give to God? And the reason they were giving God leftovers is they weren't honoring him. They weren't loving him. And they didn't see serving him as something of value. Verse 13 says, they say, what a weariness is it? If you ever get to the point in your ministry at Elmira Baptist Church where you feel like there's just a weariness to teach a Sunday school class or it's a weariness to help out in junior church. It's a weariness to serve in the nursery. It's a weariness to usher. Please come talk to me because I want to pray for you. I don't want to take away your responsibility. <laughs> I want to pray for you because it shouldn't be a weariness to serve God. It shouldn't be some, oh, I got to go to church again today and preach. That's just terrible. It shouldn't be that way. Oh, I got to tell my neighbor about Jesus. Ah, I wish I didn't have to do that. Now, I'm not saying we don't feel that way. But when you feel that way, let's be honest with God and pray and say, hey, something's not right in my heart. Help me change the way I feel, the way I think, my attitudes. So what are some times that we give, some ways, excuse me, that we give leftovers to God? Well, let me suggest some things. Again, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's going to bring specific instances in your life to mind. Not trying to, to cover all the bases, but... If you're the type of person that only reads your Bible when you have leftover time at the end of the day, well, that's leftovers for God. Now, some of you may do your best reading at night. And if that's you, that's fine. That, that is your best time. For you, it would be wrong to get up in the morning and read your Bible with your eyes closed. <laughs> I know some of you. I, I, better, I just better stop there. Some of you need to read at night. That's your best time of day. For me, my best time of the day is my morning. And when I read at night, I just don't get the same out of the Word of God. Now, sometimes there have been times in my life where I've read in the morning and at night. I'm not saying never read at night. I'm saying give God the best time for your devotions. If it's the middle of the day, if it's at night, if it's in the morning, find your best time and give that to God. Don't just give Him what's left over. Have you noticed that prayer takes energy? I mean, to, to, to really pray. You can say a bunch of words to God. You can read a list to God. That doesn't take a lot of energy. But to think about people's needs and to pray for them takes energy. And so what's the temptation? Well, I'll sort of pray in proportion to the energy that I feel today. 
And if I'm really draggy and I feel tired, maybe I'm sick, I just won't pray very long because I just don't have that much energy. And we just give God the leftovers of our energy. How about our money? Do we give God the leftovers? Do we, give, do, we give, do we put money in the offering plate on months when we have extra? You know, we make sure all our bills are paid. We pay our rent or our mortgage and we, and we pay um, uh, for groceries. And of course, we've got to get some new things for us. And, you know, there's birthday gifts, all these different things we spend on. And then if I have any money left over at the end of the month, I'll put it in the offering plate. That's giving God your leftovers is what it is. Now, he says in this passage, would you give it to your governor? Would you do that to your governor, he said? Imagine if you went to your boss, you said, hey, you know that withholding you do every year, I mean, every month in my check? I don't know if you ever looked at your check, but it's amazing how much the government wants out of your check. Go to your boss and try this. Say, listen, just give it all to me, and if I have any left over at the end of the month, I'll send it to the IRS. Your boss is going to say, no, I can't even legally do that if I wanted to. But we'll do that to God, won't we? Just give him what's left over. How about our commitment, our, our priorities? Are we just giving God what's left over? Are we putting God in that first place that he deserves and just, hey, I'm going to keep working at this. I'm going to keep making this happen. I'm just going to stick with this. Or do we have other things there? Maybe job or hobby or my own entertainment. And, you know, if I, if I get down here to the bottom, God can have some of my time. I remember talking to a, a person who lived in, in Alaska, I would travel up there from time to time to visit with my parents. It was not my parents, but he mentioned that church attendance in Alaska is higher in the winter and lower in the summer. I said, why do you think that is? He said, well, in the summer, there's stuff to do outside. But in the winter, it's cold, you know, it's icy, we go to church. What are those people saying to God? My first commitment is to have fun. And when I can't have fun, I'll be in your house. That's giving God our leftovers. Um, again, I'm not trying to hit them all. Just thinking, thinking this through with you. How about the leftover parts of our lives? We've got some young people here. We've got Hudson. We've got Cutler. Uh, yeah, okay. Let's pick on those two because they're men. These are young fellas. And you know what the temptation is when you're young? The temptation, at least for me and my friends, was, hey, let's live, live life to the fullest while we're young. Let's do what we want. Let's get the careers we want. Let's make some money. And then when we're established and, you know, we're old, maybe 35 or 40, <laughs> then we'll start living for the Lord. That was our thinking, right? We want to do all, we want to have the fun we want to have first. And then we'll give God what is left over. Young people, please don't think that way. That doesn't lead to a fulfilling life. It doesn't lead you to, to joy and to that sense of, boy, this is what life is really about. It leads you to disappointment and to discontentment. Give God the best days of your life. Don't give him what's left over. On the other end, occasionally, this doesn't happen quite as much, but you'll see someone who's so faithful to serve the Lord. They're always there to help whenever there's an opportunity. And then they retire and their attitude is completely different. Oh, pastor, I can't be bothered to actually come and be an usher. I mean, I might want to go fishing now, if you're retired, by the way, you are more than welcome to communicate with me and the other folks that help keep things moving and take some weeks off and go enjoy yourself. After my parents retired, they spent about six months uh, driving all over the United States. They made it all the way. They started up in Alaska. They made it all the way over to Maine, down to Florida, 
all the way back to California and up the West Coast back to Alaska. If that's what God wants you to do for your time as a retired person, please do it. Communicate and do it. But I tell you what, when they're not on the road, they're in church and they're serving. They have responsibilities and they're glad to have those responsibilities. So I'm not saying if you retire, you can never take a vacation because you have to be here to do your task. I'm not saying that at all. But don't treat God like you can retire from his work because you can't. If God has been so good to us, and he has, why would we give him our second best? We've heard testimony after testimony this afternoon about God's blessing in our lives. God gives us family. He gives us a church family. He, he's given us freedom from sin. He's given us opportunities to be his witnesses. God's given us his best. So why would we think that somehow leftovers are good enough for God? Right here in this passage, um, we have three reasons we ought to offer our best to God. Let's start in verse 2, Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2. <clears throat> Malachi 1, 2, God says to his people, I have loved you, saith the Lord. We should give God our best because he loves us. He loves us. Now, I, I, it helps me to think of this because God created the universe. He doesn't have to pay attention to us. We don't command his attention because we're somehow important to the, the, the world's continuing to spin. He could, he could, he does not, but he could ignore us. He would be fine. But God chooses to love us and to pay attention to us. And if God loves us, we ought to love him and to give him our best. Here's the second reason in this passage we should give God our best. Verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6. A son honoreth his father. We should give God our best because we want to honor him. He's our father. He's our heavenly father, yes, but we want to honor him. A couple of years ago, and I think I'm going to be, be telling this story in bits and pieces, so let me start with this part. A couple of years ago, my parents said, my brother said to my parents, I'm going to move out of Alaska. Well, my parents had moved to Alaska to be with my brother, and now he's moving out. So they, they, long story short, they decided of the three boys they have, I was the least likely to move in the next 10 years. <laughs> so they said, can we move in with you? Um, it, it, there was actually several steps. We got to they finally said, can we move in with you? Now, I'll be frank. I love my parents and I'd love for them to live with me, but the house we were in just didn't work for my parents and for us. And I knew that saying, yes, you can move in with me would require my wife and I to make some adjustments to how we live. So what's the temptation if we're selfish? Well, you know, my brother, he, you know, really, I think he's going to stay where he's going to be for a while. We always want someone else to take that responsibility. But if we honor, I wanted to honor my parents. I said, listen, I love you guys. Of course you can stay with us. Of course. We didn't even think about it because we wanted to honor our parents. That's our earthly parents. How much more ought we to honor our Heavenly Father and give Him what's our best, not give Him leftovers, not live for self and then whatever happens to be there at the end of the month or the energy at the end of our day or whatever's left at the end of our lives, give that to Him. But here's the thing. Third reason, we love God, he loves us, and we love him, and so we want to give him our best. He's our father, we want to honor him. Here's a third reason, 
Also verse 6, if I be a master, where is my fear? God is our master. It quotes him here in verse 6, as saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts is God's title as commander of armies of angels. He could just make us obey him. He could just make us give him. In fact, fact, he could just take everything we have from us and we wouldn't have, we'd be powerless to stop him. But he doesn't do that. He is our master. He commands armies of angels and yet he wants us to voluntarily give him our best. He gives us a choice. We ought to fear him, yes. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And we ought to fear him. But because he's our master, we ought to give him what is our best. God has been so good to us. Every time we have these praise and testimony times, I'm reminded how good God has been to us. Why would we give him any less than our best? Father, thank you for blessing us. Again, Just I'm just astonished at your goodness to us, your grace, the gifts that you pour out upon us, these families you've given us, this church family. We ask that we would be motivated by your love for us to love you and to give you our best. We would be motivated by our relationship with you as our Heavenly Father to honor you and to give you our best. We would be, at least, if those two don't move us, we'd at least recognize that you are our master, you are Lord, you are the one who controls all things, and because we fear you, give you our best. I pray for our young people that they wouldn't wait until they're middle-aged or older to serve you. I pray for our senior saints that you would show them what ministry they can have, even in their latter years, to be a blessing here at Elmira Baptist Church. For our middle-aged folks, not to think that, well, I've got family responsibilities. I've got so much else I'm doing. I don't have time to serve God. Maybe later. Our prayer to you is that we would arrange our priorities and our commitments so that you get our best. Not what's left over, you get our best. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.